listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, your host and producer of the show, and well, joining me is, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Lorenzo Reyna. Lorenzo, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and you know what, Lucio? I made a discovery. What's that? What, what What's your discovery? All right, so this past weekend, I found out two things that were salty, or I mean... <laughs> What are um? Here's a question for you. What are two things that were salty this past weekend? Hmm. Let me see. My uh, my dinner and um, the Fresno State fan page. <laughs> exactly. You know what? Like, I mean, my doghouse grill French fries. They're salty, but also that that Fresno State athletics page. No, that that, that Fresno State athletics page was getting uh pretty lit up after the game, and it was uh if, if you if you're not if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, a lot of the Red Wave faithful took to the boards, but not they took to our boards to to voice their opinions. But they also took to the Fresno State fan page, and they lit up that page so much so that the the administrator to that Facebook page just really kind of lost control of that the whole site, didn't they? And you know, you know when things get real when. You have the Fresno State fans voicing their displeasure on the Fresno State Athletics page, and the best response the administrator or the moderator for that page is, there's a free speech area you can go to. Well, <laughs> you could do a lot of things in the free speech area, not just use free speech. I mean, you could drink your soda. You could eat your Chick-fil-A. Hey. I mean, you could do – and you could – Hold hands with your spouse or well, your future spouse or whatever. Well, a lot of the response from the the fans that were on that page who you know really were displeased by the way it was being handled ended up just saying you know look, Facebook. Last time I checked, is an uh, area that you can do f- free speech. It, you know, it, it it's a catch twenty two. Yes, you can you can speak your mind on um, on how you feel, but once you uh, it, it it all depends. You got to keep it clean. And you cannot be derogatory towards people, and uh, it's a fine line to tote. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I think. I think whoever rent runs this page, uh, whether if it's an intern or maybe a veteran, I guess they kind of got educated on um, on how to run a Facebook page like that. Because sometimes, and take it from us, because we we go through a lot of like we go through a lot of salty comments on the barkboard forums. I mean, Lucio as it was, was trying to put a cap to certain people, but you know, sometimes if you're an administrator on a page, it's like, you just gotta let things, let it be. I mean, just whether if there's, there's vulgarities or no vulgarities, I mean, granted, yeah, you don't want anything that's vulgar, but you know, criticizing the team. I mean, it's like, well, unfortunately when your team is one to three, it's not going to be rainbows and sunshines. It's not going to be, oh, they're playing so wonderful. They're, they're playing so great. I mean, it, there's still a crash course, and sometimes you just got to let comments, just let it be what it is. And and for everybody that's out there who's been to our boards, they know uh, we give a lot of free reign to everybody on our board. Uh, the only two things we, we ask is people to keep it clean, uh, no no cussing, none of, none of that vulgar t- kind of language on the boards, 
and no disrespecting each other um, in a derogatory manner. There ha- there was a couple of times this past weekend I had to kind of uh, warn a couple of people, but for the most part, you guys do a great job on our boards, uh, and uh, and that which is why we give you guys a little bit more latitude to to say some of your opinions. Barkboard actually has the largest fan board members out of any website in the Central Valley. And, you know, we want to keep it that way. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's certain ways to go about criticism of this team, of this coaching staff. And, again, just putting that disclaimer out there, if we see a vulgarity, it I mean, Jackson is probably going to take it down. Lucy is probably going to take it down. I'm also going to send a warning out to Lucio and Jackson of what's going on. So, I mean, my best advice is this. If you're going to be critical of this team, do it in an educated manner, not in an uneducated or an immature manner. Yeah, just don't uh, don't take shots at each other. Just uh, go in there and uh, state your opinions, and that's what it is, your opinion. Uh, Not everybody has to agree with you. Yeah. As it was, like when my story got up on the bark board and I saw the list of responses, you know what? A lot of those responses, they were actually pretty well concise. Yeah, there's a, our, our fans are pretty good about uh, responding to things and, and really giving some good information. And we love our fans over there at the at the bark board. So uh, keep it going, guys. And uh, and we'll we'll keep uh, the content flowing over at the bark board. That being said, Lorenzo, I think you know we've got to kind of jump into what is going on here at Fresno State. I mean, um, you've—if—if if somebody would have told you that Fresno State would have got out to a thirty-one to nothing lead by half, by all, you know, by the second quarter, would you have believed them? I mean, really? I mean, the type of you know game that that the Bulldogs have been playing these last few weeks, would you have ever thought that they would have jumped out to a thirty-one lead? Let alone give up a thirty-one to nothing lead and still lose it. I mean, it's mind-boggling to you, isn't it? Here's the thing, though, Lucio. I mean, judging by what we have seen out of Fresno State, out of Tim DeRuiter-led football teams, I'm at a point where I'm not even surprised about this team blowing a lead like that. I mean, this is just yet another blemish in a long line of blemishes for Tim DeRuiter. I mean, it's one thing to, to blow a big lead, but 31 points at home? I mean, inexcusable. I'm no. sorry, inexcusable. And in, in, in the manner that it happened, you know, a, a lot of fans got turned off by by what happened this this past weekend because, you know, it, it fine. I mean, people were happy that the Bulldogs got out to a 31 lead, but to end up losing... Um, after you had a 31 point lead, it's almost worse than getting blown out to tell you. The it truth. is. Um, and it so- is. I mean, here's the thing. It's like when Fresno state gets blown out, it's usually against a superior team, like a team that's a bull contender or a Boise state. But Tulsa was a pretty respectable team. And it was looking more and more like Fresno state was finally, finally going to get a victory against a team from a superior conference, the American Athletic Conference, which is actually a pretty respectable conference, even despite the fact it's not in the Power Five. It would have been a, it would have signified that, you know what, Fresno State finally has momentum again. Fresno State is proving that they can step up and take on the challenge of playing against the Tulsa and winning that game. I feel like that the days of seeing Fresno State beating a team like a Tulsa or beating a team in Tulsa's conference or the Power Five, those days are a distant memory. 
it it's getting it's getting pretty rough. Um, and the, the fan base, uh, as we can tell, they they said there was an, uh, about twenty two thousand plus that showed up to the game uh, that were paid tickets. Uh, let's just say not all twenty two thousand showed up to the game. Nope. Uh, I'm you know I'm I told Lorenzo it probably looked maybe more like half of that showed up to this game. Uh, if not just a little bit more, but you know there was no way there was twenty two thousand people in that stadium. And it turns out that Garth Brooks took half of Fresno. <laughs> half of Fresno. Uh, I mean, most of the Valley. I don't know what happened, but Garth Brooks just pretty much killed uh, this this game. I mean, it was a combination of a lot of things. It was a combination of the Garth Brooks concerts. A uh, combination of uh, a losing record and uh, a combination of, of fan frustration, just not wanting to show up to this game because they're just pretty much frustrated of how things are being handled over there. So uh, until that gets kind of turned around, I, I, I don't see very many big crowds in Fresno State's future. Um, Again, you know what? I, it goes back to what I was saying at the last podcast with how I felt like that this game was a make-or-break game for Fresno State. Since it's a loss, I mean, this team is already breaking down. I almost feel like that Fresno State is that car that already has two flat tires, and they're still trying to move forward. Well, when you have two flat tires in your car, there's no way you're going to reach your destination. There's no way that you're going to go the speed that you want to go. So this thing is already breaking down. Now, you know... Going back to this game, I mean, really, you got to a chance to get down at the field level and kind of watch what was going on. Uh, as from your observations, what did you see? Uh, let's start off with Virgil. What what did you see with Virgil? How was he handling himself, and and vice versa? What what did he what he did right? What he did wrong? Let's kind of break down. Let's see what his progression is going on. So, what what's your overall opinion on Virgil right now? I'll give Virgil the benefit of the doubt. And as you know, Lucio, we've been pretty critical of Virgil. I actually thought that he had a pretty decent game. I did see the fortitude. I did see the running ability, which is I feel like I haven't seen before out of Virgil. I saw how fast he was able to run the Fresno State offense early on. But I'm still seeing the same mistakes that I've been watching him to continue to create. I mean, the overthrown passes. And here's the thing to keep in mind, folks. I wasn't just looking at Virgil. I was looking at his line protection. I actually thought that this Fresno State offensive line, the same offensive line unit that I've also been critical of, that Lucio has been critical of, I actually thought that they had their best game this season. It wasn't until the final minute of the fourth quarter when Fresno State's offensive line finally allowed a sack. It took an excellent pass rush like Tulsa to finally get to Virgil into the fourth quarter. I still feel like that Virgil's still that work in progress. I still feel like he hasn't won me over completely yet, but you know, I'll give him a little bit of more of a benefit of the doubt. Yeah, Drizzle's over from passes. Yeah, he still has that skittish side to him, but I think overall, this was a pretty respectable performance out of him out of the first four games this season. Yeah, and, and like you said, we've been pretty critical of, of Virgil, and uh, I think after last game, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of backing off of the whole uh, get Virgil out of there kind of train. I, I think Virgil is showing signs of progression. He is showing signs of improvement, just probably not as fast as most people want him to improve. 
But again, he's a redshirt freshman. He has to take his lumps. For the first time all season, I actually saw Virgil step into his throws, uh, mm-hmm. stand in a pocket and take the hit, but yet still complete the pass. And he hasn't done that all season. In this past game, he did that. And, you know, here's another thing, too, is that I was with you as well with thinking that if Virgil doesn't produce, you got to go with Zach Klein. I think for the time being, Virgil saved himself. He saved himself from being yanked. Yeah, he did. He saved himself from being yanked. Now, he's going to have to continue to progress through the season, even if it's at a a small kind of pace um, in order to stay in there. You know, like you said, these upcoming games, they're going to be make or break. Uh, Fresno State's going to have to at least split the difference between uh, Nevada and uh, UNLV. If they come away with two losses in there, you know, whichever quarterback is in at Fresno State really is not going to matter. I mean, tell you the truth. I think the same thing could be said about the coaching as well. (laughs) You're you're absolutely right. I mean, I keep getting emails. I get get messages, uh, direct DMs. I I get it all day long of people asking me, how long is DeRuder going to be here? Well... As far as I know, he's going to be here until until they don't want him here anymore. And the problem is, is for him to be gone, um, it, it all it, it two things have to happen. I mean, for one, if Fresno State ends up losing from now, uh, if they lose the next two games and they lose against San Diego State, Fresno State's going to really have to take a hard look at what to do with DeRuiter. Not only because they're it's a losing program, but if they're going to you know, get rid of him. They have to do it at a timely manner in order to find a head coach and still salvage a recruiting season. And you know what? It's interesting that you point that out because you you mentioned how that Hawaii would be sort of like that threshold I, or that tipping point. And I still think that. I think Hawaii is going to be that tipping point. So my know. my thing now is that I feel like it's the next three games. That's going to decide Tim DeRuiter's fate. Oh, I mean, yeah. If he wins one of those two games, then he's in pretty good shape. But if he loses all three, then you know they might make a change. They might reshuffle the lineup. They might send DeRuiter out. They might promote one of the assistants. I mean, time will tell. I mean, I, I'm, I'm under the impression. I mean, I, I, I strongly feel that if he loses all three, he will not be here. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's my opinion. Like it says and, at the beginning of the show, this is these are our opinions. <laughs> so and not only that, it's like you know, if Fresno State were to lose these two, these two games against the Battleborn State Universities, then you can't really make a change because if you make a change, if you get rid of DeRuiter and this new guy who comes in is the guy who who takes the field with against San Diego State. Fact is, this new guy has a short week ahead of him so he's not going to have enough time to prepare well so hence why hence why i just feel like that at this point these next three games is going to decide tim deruder's future well the reason um the way i feel behind the if they do end up doing a coaching change and they do it early on it's not really so much about getting a new coach in here to start coaching the team it's more about the recruiting aspect they don't want to get behind like they did when uh pat hill was fired and deruder came in and have a very short time period to do a recruiting class. If they do that, that's going to be another big mistake on on the university's part as far as trying to get a coach in here. 
they need to give this coach enough time to continue to his to you know get a grasp of the recruiting in order to get some of the players that he's going to want in here. Otherwise, it's going to be another mess as far as a recruiting class. And right- as it is, you're looking at all the Florida kids. Well, guess who has that pipeline in Florida? Lorenzo Ward, not Tim DeRuda, Lorenzo Ward. Yeah, if anything, they would at least put in a uh, an interim coach, probably with one of the assistant um, coaches as the head coach, in order to kind of help with the recruiting. But, you know, again, this is all subjective. This is what we think, not necessarily what the university thinks. We're We're kind of you know, kind of taking our best shot in the dark as to what we think might happen, uh, giving you a scenario, pretty much, right, Lorenzo? This is our scenario. This is what we kind of think. Again, like, the disclaimer on the show is the thoughts and opinions of that and the show's co-hosts in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And I'm sure it's the same with all these different Facebook pages that are out there. And and that's what, you know, we're, this is, these are our opinions and we're sticking to it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're right. So <laughs> it's just yeah. just the way we've it been, is. We've been fooled before. And I actually kind of like it when I get fooled. <laughs> so, you know, moving on again with the game. Um, okay, so you got a chance to see Virgil. We're both on, in the agreement that Virgil is showing signs of improvement. Now, that offensive line, you kind of touched upon that a little bit. That offensive line, this game looked a little bit better than they have in the past. And I think that's because of some of the shuffling they, they started doing. So what's your overall opinion on the offensive line so far? I think with the the shuffling that they did with the lineup that was in place for this Tulsa game, you got to allow these guys to just finish out the rest of the year. Barring injuries, let these guys finish out the year. Because again, as I said earlier, this was the best performance I've seen out of this offensive line. Out of fairness, whoever was in that lineup toward the end, keep those guys in there. And, and, And you know what? Another portion of the Fresno State Bulldog team that actually kind of looked a lot better today was the special teams and that was all in part to the you know the kick returning abilities of um, DeJounte O'Neal who is sad to say is no longer going to play this season because of an injury and and Lorenzo what more do you know about DeJounte O'Neal so it's a knee injury we had sources close to DeJounte tell us and confirm to Barkboard that O'Neal not only injured his knee during the Tulsa game, but it's unfortunately going to require surgery, which means he's going to be placed on the injury shelf for the rest of the season now. This is such a striking blow because when I look at DeJounte O'Neal, he really became a favorite among his teammates, among his coaches, even among some of the Bulldog fans because of his work ethic and his personality. And not only that, He's had a very unique journey. I mean, the guy is reportedly five foot six, which is nowhere near the prototypical size of any running back. But he worked his way up that ladder. Not only that, he was a walk-on at Fresno State. He did well enough to earn a scholarship at Fresno State. And my hope is that he does come home he does come back strong from this, and Fresno State still honors what they gave him. Oh, they they probably will. They, it's just a matter of them getting in there, uh, getting him surgery done on that knee. I mean, he's he's more than earned his scholarship. And now they just need to get in there and repair that knee and and try to get him back to full strength. And you know that's that's the only thing every, anyone can hope for. Uh, he is going to be really missed as far as uh, the special teams. And not only that, I mean. DeJounte O'Neal's heart, to me, was as big as that 330-pound nose tackle 
That's how big his heart was. And I mean, the guys overcome so many odds as it is. So I just, I feel like that him coming back from knee injury, that's going to be easy for him because of his work ethic. Oh, it should be a, a lot easier. Uh, I mean, anybody who has a, a strong worth e- ethic can always come back from an injury a lot sooner than people expect. But, you know, don't expect him to be back anytime this season. That is completely out of the question because he's going now he's going to be having surgery to repair that knee. So uh, the ex- And it takes a further hit with the running game. Yeah, I mean, to, we don't know to the extent of his injury, but it just it compounds a problem that Fresno State has at the running back depth position. I mean, right now, I mean, you got one scholarship player healthy. Um and it's not looking good. I mean, we still there's two other running backs who are starting to get healthy. We got Rice, and I be, believe we have Oglesby who's starting to get. Uh, well, here's good. here's the problem with Rice, though. I mean, reportedly he he is healing from his foot injury, but it's sounding like the Fresno State coaching staff want to put him on the shelf for the rest of the year. They want to redshirt him. They want to keep him like good to go for next year. So. But because of the the depleted how depleted this backfield is, you almost have to wonder if they're going to have to burn that red shirt. Well, it, it is a possibility. Although I've been hearing some uh, some rumors flying around that we might see a, a certain local um, kid who has played the running back position maybe get some looks. I mean, uh, I've been I've been hearing some rumblings of that, and it would make sense because he's already played throughout the year which he wouldn't be burning a red shirt if he came in at the running back position to kind of help the depth chart. Who is that kid? You don't know who I'm talking about? You know, a a Clovis High kid? Uh, Oh, yes. Mr. Hockett. (laughs) Yep. There's been been some hints, you know, roaming around that maybe Hockett might be jumping in at the running back position just to kind of help out depth-wise, but don't hold me to that. I have not yet been able to confirm that, but I am keeping an eye on it. So it, there is a there is there's some little rumblings going on, but I don't know how how you know true it is yet. So we'll see what happens. Um, but you know, it's a running back position that is really hurt right now, and they're not going to be getting uh, you know Rice or Oglesby back. I, I believe neither one of those are going to be ready for the UNLV game. Although I've been hearing rumblings that maybe Oglesby is going to be ready by the UNLV game, so it's it's kind of up in the air right now at the running back position. So so it's it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. And of course, if you want the latest news and information, head over to the Bark Board. Uh, the, our premium section usually has some inside information as as soon as we get it. So check those out. Um, but moving forward with this game, uh, what, what was your biggest, you know, draw? What was your biggest thought from this game that you came away with that, uh, kind of left you scratching your head? Um, the 31 point, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, need I say more, but I mean, it's just, nope. it's just yet another blemish in the resume of Tinder Ruder. And not only that, here's the other thing that I also have to point out that we have to point out. This is still a very young football team, and their confidence level, I wouldn't doubt, just got even more deflated than a Tom Brady football because of the fact that, you know, you build this huge lead, you're at home, then you see it evaporate. I mean, how do you recover from that considering how youthful this team is? Now, let me let me ask you this. Uh, because of that collapse, who ultimately should be – 
who ultimately is responsible for that? Was it the offense or the defense? I, I'm going to go with neither. I'm going to go – actually, I'm, I'm going to go with two areas. Okay. You do have to put the blame on the defense because there were instances where some of those defenders didn't look like they were set, especially – and I'm sure you saw it too. Oh, yeah. Especially when Tulsa was going with that rapid-fire up-tempo offense. But another blame goes – to the defensive coaching staff, and that includes Tim DeRuiter because guess what? Tim DeRuiter's apparent area of expertise is defense, and his defense just surrendered 48 points. Well, and I'm going to give you a little uh, another kind of uh, another one to think about. How about how about the offense inability to get a first down? Uh, they went on three occasions, went three and out on three occasions when when the Tulsa came out and scored 21 points. Those three times. Fresno State was not able to get a first down. So, and not only that, here's another thing to point out too. Tulsa, again, Tulsa didn't even get touches on Virgil. It wasn't until the fourth quarter. So the blocking was there. It was just the erratic froze on Virgil's part, the inconsistency out of the receivers. I mean, you saw all those drops, and I believe you have a number of the the tally of the drops that Fresno State's receivers had. Oh, I was sitting there counting. I mean, I, I kind of lost track after about. 13, 14 dropped <laughs> passes. Uh, I kind of stopped counting because it was getting depressing. I mean, the ball, I mean, I get it. The ball may be a little high. The ball may be thrown behind you. But if the ball hits you in the hands, you got to catch the dang thing. That's a catchable ball. I mean, it, it, no matter where it's being thrown, if it hits you in the hands, that means you got your hands to the ball. You got to pull it in. And and that is, to me, is my biggest gripe. This These receivers are struggling to, to catch the ball on, you know, simple basic stuff. And I want to go back to defense real quick. Now, this was actually brought up by longtime subscriber Harry, who we got a chance to hang out with before the game. Harry pointed out how on certain sequences, the defenders were looking at the sidelines like, well, what's our play call? What's our play call? And the defensive coaches, they weren't quick enough to relay that information. It does raise this question that I have on, on my end. How prepared is Fresno State's defense for no huddle offenses? Because here's the kicker on my end that I've noticed. Fresno State runs an up-tempo no huddle offense, but yet the defense struggles against it? You're practicing against it anyway. You're practicing against it practically every day. Well, you, you want to hear my biggest gripe? Okay, this this is my biggest gripe. One thing that I've been noticing that's becoming a trend all over college football is the, the thing where uh, all the players, uh, right before the snap, all look to the sideline to get uh, another play. Are you kidding me? What happened to the good old days when, uh, you know, the team captain is given a couple of plays and he, on the field, makes the change off of what he sees? I mean, if everybody has to stop and look to the sideline to get a new play, the other team can snap the ball and go with it, which is exactly what Tulsa did on a number I, of occasions. I almost honestly feel like that instead of defensive coaches like relaying that information, like if you're going against a no-huddle offense, you ought to just let your defensive captain make the calls, make the adjustments, especially if he's smart enough to do so because you're seeing that in the NFL. I mean – if you watch Luke Keekley or Clay Matthews play, those guys are masters when it comes to making adjustments for the defense. And keep this in mind, those guys in the NFL, they also go against some no-huddle offenses too. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm sick of watching games where I see 
the players, all the players look to the sideline to get another play. It's ridiculous. I mean, the, the good old days, none of that happened. You got one play that came in. Uh, you got uh, the coach relays a couple of plays to the defender. The first one is always the first play that they want. And then based on what happens on the field, the, the defensive captain made the changes to set players in different places. But, you know, it's like they've gone away from that. They, they've taken all of the control out of the players' hands. And so ultimately all the blame goes on the coaches. I mean, that's just the way it coaches, is. Coaches got to coach, but there's times in which you got to allow your players to have free reign, especially considering how fast this game has gotten. I mean, there's teams in the NFL, in college, even in high school, that actually allows their own quarterback to call their own plays and call their own adjustments. Same thing with some of the defenders as well. I'm not saying every team should do it, but, I mean, if Fresno State has the belief that that – Getting the coaches to relay any kind of player information over to the um, to the field against a no huddle approach, if they truly feel like that, that's still going to be successful. I say you you got to scratch that now because it clearly hasn't been working. I mean, look at the last two games: Toledo put up fifty two points, Tulsa put up forty eight points. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but from what I could count, that's one hundred combined points in the last two games. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not looking pretty, and and especially now, if Fresno State might have caught a break go heading into this next game, and there's a, there's a reason why I'm saying that. But Lorenzo, they're 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 going into um, UNLV, who they pretty much struggled against last season, uh, barely putting them away. Uh, but now they're heading to UNLV to play this game. And UNLV is going to be without their starting quarterback. So, what more did you know? Do you know about this? What's going on? All right. So, Dalton Sneed is the guy who's been given the green light to play quarterback at UNLV. Now, he was a mega star at Horizon High School in Arizona. Now, he didn't generate that much interest because of the fact that he was a five foot eleven, hundred ninety pound quarterback. Well, unfortunately for Fresno State. He sort of has this Russell Wilson-like capabilities in terms of being that dual-threat presence. And we've seen it in the past, Lucio. Quarterbacks who can run, who can make plays with their feet, they've given Fresno State defenses fits over the year. Oh, I mean, it's always been a, it's been a, always been a problem for Fresno State with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, uh, look at Kaepernick. I mean, you've, you've had, they had issues with them even in the Pat Hill area. Era could not tackle Kaepernick and And DeAndre Burrell at Utah State and Burrell was an undersized quarterback he was actually considered faster than Kaepernick yeah and so they've always had problems schematically against mobile quarterbacks and so now uh, Fresno State uh, goes to UNLV who is not using a their starting quarterback they're using their backup quarterback of course Fresno State now is even hurt even more on their running game so uh, how do you see the, these two teams stacking up against each other? Here's the thing. Like, you know how we said it's a make-or-break game for Fresno State? It's almost like a make-or-break game for UNLV. Even though UNLV is one of those programs that seems to be on the rise and, you know, the expectations do tend to be a lot lower, especially considering the fact that UNLV has long been a basketball school. Here's the scary thing about UNLV, though. With the recruiting classes that Tony Sanchez has been able to put together and with the effort that this team has put forth in four games, including that game against UCLA, UNLV could very easily be 3-1. and one. That's how scary this situation is. 
Yeah, and and you know, UNLV has shown flashes of being, uh, you know, a decent team, but have struggled as of late. I mean, they they surely they had their their issues against uh, who was it, Cal Poly? Uh, no, UCLA, Central Michigan, and of all teams, Idaho. Idaho, that's the one. Idaho. They they struggled against Idaho. Uh, and uh, and pretty much <laughs> Idaho took care of that one. And uh, I know a lot of fans out there were saying, um, you know, Idaho beat UNLV, so, you know, we should have an easy time of it. Well, at the time, I'm really not really sure Fresno State could even beat Idaho. So Here, Here's the thing, too. Like, we've seen this in the past where, especially in the Tim DeRuiter era, the teams that look as if they can be easy pickings for Fresno State – those teams either beat Fresno State or they blow out Fresno State. Yeah, so this is this is kind of a trap game. Uh, I believe Fresno State is favored uh, in this game heading into the UNLV game. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything because UNLV is at home. They've got a chip on their shoulder. They're still kind of uh, ticked off from last season as far as Fresno State taking that win away from them. Uh, and uh, they're they're going to be coming into this game with a purpose, and I can guarantee you they've got plenty of blueprints on how to beat this Fresno State team, and uh, Fresno just needs to go in there and kind of figure things out. Uh, well, I, I got one guy to point out on the UNLV roster who probably cannot wait to go toe-to-toe against the Bulldogs, and it's a player, a notable 5-5-9 player, who Fresno State ended up passing on. You probably know who I'm talking about. He's in the backfield at UNLV. Yeah, the running back. I, I just the name right now kind of escapes. Charles me. Williams. There you go. That's the name. Charles Williams. And as it is, Williams is already getting his feet wet as a true freshman at UNLV, and it's perplexing because Fresno State ended up allowing DeJounte O'Neill to not only walk on but earn a scholarship, and he's a former Bullard High star. Charles Williams was a Bullard High star. And yet, Fresno State didn't even offer him a scholarship. I believe at the time, uh, from what Coach DeRuiter said, uh, they had a number of ro- running backs at that position that season that he was recruited and ended up letting him go because they couldn't. Uh, they needed the spot for other positions, and they had already enough running backs on the roster, which right now, hindsight, they could have used another running back on the roster. They could have used Williams. I mean, it's backfired. That's I mean, how bad it is. I, I mean, how many times has that happened? Especially to this coaching staff. I mean, it's uh, they 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 think they have enough of uh, one position, so they overlook a player so that they could try to get somebody in at a different position, and then it ultimately backfires because uh, that position they were trying to get doesn't come, and then they let the other player go, so they they get neither. So, and that's just, that's just the way it goes. And it seems like this coaching staff has done a lot of that. And, uh, you know, which is why these, uh, these guys are struggling at certain positions. So I, I wouldn't doubt that, you know, Williams, he, he's definitely looking forward to this game. I wouldn't doubt that this is the one game that he has circled down all along. Yeah. And, and so, and I believe there's a number of Valley kids that are probably going to be on that roster that, well, yeah, Laville Tatum, David Tate. I mean, those are two guys who also they were getting courted by Fresno State, but ended up choosing UNLV because I guess they looked at Tony Sanchez like he was the next the next big college football coach. Now, uh, Lorenzo, let me let me ask you this: their their secondary how how good well do they match up against Fresno State's pass? Because probably that's where this game is ultimately going to be won with is the passing game. 
Um, yeah, you know what? I mean, UNLV, I guess, like, when you look at, like, the rankings or numbers-wise, I mean, they they are pretty respectable against the pass. I mean, according to the, the statistics that I have in my hand, UNLV's pass defense is actually fifth out of the 12 Mountain West schools. But granted, the downside is, is that realistically, the one team that thrives on the pass that UNLV went against was UCLA with Josh Rosen. So I guess realistically, the pass defense hasn't fully been tested. So I wouldn't doubt that a good game plan that Fresno State's going to come up with is they're going to try to attack early and often through the air with Virgil. But he's got to really like hit his passes more consistently, you know. And I, I would love to see that. I would love to see them come out firing with the quarterback, throwing the ball early and often. And you know what else is? They could use that tight end a little more. Uh, they have not really used the tight end very much uh, all season long. Uh, I mean, we did see some flashes of that this past game, but then ultimately went away from it. So I, I'm still left scratching my head as to how these tight ends fit in on this offense because that's one position they're very deep at and very talented at, but they're not using them. It just seems like, I don't know, they're they're kind of disappeared on this team. I don't know if it's they're using them to block more because the offensive line has been struggling or they're just not really fitting into the whole offensive scheme of, uh, of what Fresno State's trying to do. Well, here's another thing, too, and we have to go back to the um, the Fresno State defense. I mean, this UNLV offense, it can be pretty deadly when it gets going. In fact, UNLV so far this season is averaging close to 35 points per game. And not only that, the lowest scoring output for UNLV was 21 points. And they're going against a Fresno State defense that has surrendered lots and lots of points. Yeah, I hate to say this, but uh, it could end up being another shootout type of a game again if the Fresno State's defense isn't able to hold up. Uh, and and if the Fresno State offense isn't able to keep the other team off the field, that's the problem. You know, I, I'm all for this this high-powered, fast type of offense but at the same time, you got to know when to put the brakes on and kind of slow down the game a little bit to give your defense a chance. And uh, right now, they're just uh, they're they're too much throttle and not enough uh, break going on right now uh, for Fresno State on the offensive side, which ultimately is hurting this defense and just not giving them a breather. Because you and I both saw at the end of the game, the defense was just gassed by the end. I mean, they had no more left in them to go into. And overtime. not only that, I wouldn't doubt Sanchez is going to put the pedal to the metal. He's going to want UNLV early right away to go with a no huddle and try to wear this defense down. Yeah, so it's uh, it, it looks like these two teams are pretty much going to run kind of almost the same type of offense against each other. So who does that benefit? We will find out this upcoming Saturday. And, uh, well, you know, it's just another one of those uh, matchups that uh, it's kind of hard to, to, to figure out. But you know what? We're going to have our predictions later on this week, and we're going to put those <laughs> together again. Um. But, you know, there's is there anything else you want to talk about these games right here? No, that's it. Okay, because I was going to head off into our next uh, bit of news. Fresno State uh, just announced that they secured another date against UCLA uh, in the year two, 2024. So Fresno State now on, the, on their schedule have, have uh, them facing uh, UCLA at the Rose Bowl in 2018, 
2021 and 2024. So, Lorenzo, what do you think about this? I mean, is this a good thing for Fresno State? From money standpoint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need to know if Fresno State's actually going to win those games. And, you know, because, again, it seems like it's been a long time since that we've seen Fresno State beat a team like UCLA. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the last time I believe Fresno State went on to face UCLA and beat them. Ryan Matthews, it was 2008 when Ryan Matthews was still on the team and made that uh, that that play that's just immortalized in photos. I, I mean, I even posted one of those of him uh, um, hurtling a tackler from UCLA to get into the end zone. Um, and I'm, game. I'm pretty sure a lot of fans still remember that play. I was at the Rose Bowl when that happened, so I I still well, have so vivid, I. I have vivid thoughts of that one still. Um, but Fresno State, you know, money wise, come out of this one pretty good. Uh, you know, same thing with the Alabama game, and same thing with like future matches with other Power Five teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's all about the money, I guess. And uh, the way the way it breaks down is if, when Fresno State heads off to uh, the Rose Bowl in 2018, they're going to pocket six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in 2018 for that one game. Now in 2021, they'll pocket one point one million. Uh, and now this latest game that was added to the schedule, they worked it out in 2024. They will pocket 1.2 million for that game. So that much money for one game really helps shore up the uh, uh, the the budget, athletic budget for Fresno State. So I mean, they need all the help they can get, especially with all the uh, you know n- not filling up the stadium right now. I mean, yep, it's it's gonna be kind of. It'll help those years, especially if they're having a down year to get paid that much money. Now, if they're having a great season, even better. But uh, only time will tell if uh, if this program can be turned around in time for the 2018 game because right now it is not looking good. No, it isn't. But you know what? Like we said before, there's a lot of young players on this team, and they still have the opportunity to kind of – develop in the right direction that's if they can get the right leadership in there to do it right lorenzo i mean there's no other way to put it and again i mean we'll see where things stand with this leadership three weeks from now <laughs> that's going to be the tall tale uh as what, what's going to happen lorenzo and i are going to keep an eye on this one because if they if they can come away with a win against unlv things will start to change a little bit especially if they can come out with another win against uh, who was it? Reno, Nevada. If they come out with yep. another win against Nevada, then then you're in better shape because you're still undefeated in conference play, and then you come back home to face a probably a ranked San Diego team, which uh, you know is going to be a tough one, and they're going to need the fans to come to the stadium if they're going to even have a shot. And it's going to be hard because it's going to be Friday night, and it's also high school football night. I mean. Those fans over at Edison High, Bullard High, all the other high schools, they're going to be at the high school game. They're, they're probably not going to be at Fresno State. Which is why it's so important for the Bulldogs to uh, not only come out with one win, but if they can come out with two wins, that should ensure that there'll be a bigger crowd than this past game uh, at Bulldog Stadium. Especially when you're going up against a rival like San Diego State, who, by the way, has not won a game in Fresno State, I believe, since, what, 1993 is what I heard, I think? At, at Bulldog Stadium, so I don't I don't know about that. It, it's been quite a while since they actually won a game here. At, uh, I feel like Stadium. it's been recent though. 
No, they've lost um, ever since uh, San Diego State um, and Fresno State have been in the same conference in the Mountain West. Uh, San Diego State still has not beaten Fresno State, <laughs> so uh, at Bulldog Stadium. So it Fresno State has a little bit of a streak going on against San Diego State. And in order for them to keep it, they're going to have to show up and play. <laughs> and uh, we haven't seen that yet this year. <laughs> and, and if they do, they are not able to keep it going for four uh, four uh, quarters. So it's going to be a fun one to watch. We'll have to keep an eye on it, and we'll, we'll kind of give our thoughts and opinions after the UNLV game. So Lorenzo, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. What do you think? Yes. All right. So that being said, Lorenzo, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know how they can get a hold of us at Rev Wave Report once again at Rev Wave Report. You can also follow me on Twitter, which is at LJ underscore Reina once again at LJ underscore Reina. All right, and uh, you guys can follow me at Red Wave Report and follow our Facebook page. And uh, trust me, we're not going to delete any of your threads as long as you keep it cool with us. So that being said, head on over to the Barkboard to get all of your latest news and information on Fresno State Athletics. And on behalf of the Barkboard staff, I want to thank you for listening and join us again next time uh, as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>